Hi, Character Inc. and Raising Kids with Character and Homeschooling with Character listeners. This is Donna Reish, and this is just going to be a short, impromptu podcast episode. I'm actually on the road, and um, somebody recently encouraged me to try drive casting. So we shall see how this works out. Um, And I do have something on my heart that I wanted to share that I don't necessarily need a formal outline for, and that won't take as long as maybe toddlers or preschoolers or a household organization or some of those other things. And that is the idea of um, 16 to 20 year olds, uh, probably more aptly put, 18 to 20 year olds living at home and um, being in college or working or whatever it might be and just really how to handle some of those dynamics with those ages of kids and um, how to make it all work. Uh, my husband and I have been uh, parenting now for 33 years, just coming up here in a month or so. And uh, we have seven children, ages 17 through 32. And so um, you may have seen on Facebook or on the blog that this is our 32nd year of homeschooling uh, since we began homeschooling my younger sister when our oldest was just nearly one year old. So um, just a lot of years of experience and especially a lot of years of experience with that 17, 18, 19, 20, 21 year old age range and um, those grown kids still living at home. Generally speaking, um, out of our seven children so far, All of them have stayed home for college uh, for their first two years, except for one who went away to a CLEP testing center for several months and one who went away with a drama ministry um, during her first two years of college and got an associate's degree through that. And other than that, our children and even those kids were home during their senior year of high school when they were 18 and doing college during their senior year um, since our kids start kindergarten when they're six and first grade when they're seven. So in that regard, we've always had 18 and 19 year olds at home while they were doing um, college, at least their first year of college in some in some form. And so because of that, we've had a lot of experiences with, you know, making that work. You know, what do you, how do you treat that 18, 19 year old adult? And, um, we encouraged our children to stay at home and do their first couple of years of college. Uh, we have, um, five kids actually doing college right now, this fall, which is crazy, but that's just because we have two working on master's degrees and three working on undergraduate degrees, plus a daughter-in-law who's also in college. So five of our own seven are doing degrees this fall, um, though uh, two of them, as I said, were doing master's degrees and working one is a nurse and one in the publishing industry while they finish their, those master's degrees. So uh, a lot of college uh, experience of all kinds. And as a matter of fact, uh, we would love to share more with you about our experiences with various kinds of degrees with our kids, clepping out, so on and so forth. We have workshops for homeschool seminars and conventions uh, along that line that we would be happy to do someplace. And also, um, we could tackle it on a podcast episode or two. Uh, if that question would be asked and and would uh, be desired. Um, Mostly we talk about parenting 
and uh, those kind of things on these, especially with younger children. But we'd be happy to branch out to that and do a little bit more of that. So uh, we've always said that the most critical ages for our children are between the ages of 16 to 20. And uh, the and I still believe that's true. And we've seen it, you know, just really borne out in our experiences with our children over and over again. But the problem is that that most of that, half of that anyway, if not more than half of that 16 to 20 year old time period is usually spent for the child away from home. And so the effect that we can have on our kids and the influence that we have is very limited because of that. And so we did encourage our kids, you know, stay home during those first couple of years of college. You know, we never charge our kids to stay at home and live at home as long as they're pursuing their education. Uh, while we weren't able with seven children and one income to pay for our seven kids to go to college like other families maybe do. Um, we have always been able to uh, help them by offering our home for them to live in free of charge and their food and help with their um, health insurance and life insurance and um, standard cell phone use um, and car insurance. And so in those regards, at least until they're you know, out of college or married or whatever, in those regards, we have been able to help them as long as they were at home because it wasn't a, you know, it wasn't like a $30,000 expense, like going away to college would be for that year. Instead, it was just, you know, the regular expenses of living. Um, obviously, if they had smartphones or anything like that, they paid for it and they paid their, for their own computers and their own books and, um, their own tuition if they had it. But, um, one of our kids tested out of his entire degree, except for two classes that he had to take that there were no tests for. Another daughter tested out of three-fourths of her degree and and took classes for one year that there were no tests for. And um, then another two kids got full-ride tuition scholarships. Um, and so for them to to have their tuition paid for completely through their scholarship. And sometimes they even had a little bit of money left over from that for their books and gas. Uh, and then they bought their own vehicles and all of those things. And then um, the ones who did have to pay tuition, they were able to work um, during the summer and during the school year. One of our kids works half time as a, um, in the, in Moody, at Moody Publishing while he was working on his undergraduate. So that paid, um, for his, and then his wife also works as a tutor. That pays for their bills. And then another child, two other kids actually got associates in nursing and then they were able to continue to pay for all the rest of their degrees that if they didn't have scholarships for like their masters and and so forth they were able to pay for that as they worked as nurses so to make a long story short we did encourage our kids to stay at home and um to to live at home during their first couple of years of college and go to college locally they also did college during their senior year of high school Actually, all of them did some form of college during their junior year of high, of high school. So, um, anyway, that's just a lot of college going on there. But I just, I just wanted to emphasize that we encouraged our kids to stay home and we wanted them to stay home because we wanted to have that influence on their lives. We wanted to have that 
that effect on them during these most critical years, 16 to 20, is just phenomenally important. They have the life decisions are being made that that are just crucial, and um, you know. We all heard about how, you know, the decision-making isn't really there for kids until they're 20 or 21. And, you know, then we send them off at 17 or 18 to make decisions with other unwise 17 and 18-year-olds who also are not ready to make a lot of decisions. So, you know, that's that's just a personal preference for us. We definitely have friends who've gone to college. And like I said, we had one who went away to a testing center and another who went to um, a very protected um ministry center and got an associate's degree. So it's not that we would never let our kids do that. It's not that we made our kids do that, but that was just kind of how that fell. So, um, with that, we encouraged them to stay here. And, uh, and so therefore we had to make it work. And, um, I will say that if you have rocky high school relationships, um, it doesn't just, get perfectly better because they're 18 and they're an adult and you're adults and all of a sudden it's going to just improve dramatically. That isn't how it happens, unfortunately. Um, just in the same way that if you had, you know, uh, a high need, unruly, disobedient toddler, he doesn't turn into an amazing preschooler just because he's five and, or kindergartner or whatever, just because he's five and he's older. It doesn't happen that way. Whatever we carry from the previous stage goes in with, in with our children, goes with them to the next stage. And so, um, it's all the more important to work on that, that relationship during the teen years. Um, and we do have a ton of material at our blog and we have a whole seminar dedicated to, uh, raising tweens and teens with character six and seven and eight hours of uh, instruction that we love to share with people who want just to work on tweens and teens character and relationship building and parenting. But, um, so those of you who are thinking, you know, in the future, I would like for my students to live at home for a couple of years and do college. Uh, the best advice that I can give you is to build that character and to work on those relationships with your 15 and 16 and 17 year olds while they are still in, ho- in high school and while you still, not that you don't have authority over them when they're 18, but it's a different kind of authority. And so it's easier to work on behaviors and character and submission to authority and those type of things while, you know, you're still quote unquote making the rules. So let's go into that with, with that thought in mind that if you do have students who are over 18 and, and I, we've said all along, and if you've listened to our raising kids with character or homeschooling with character seminars, you know, that we've said all along that um, you don't that you don't just uh, you know suddenly become this this other relationship that it, it's all gradual. If you've been to our parenting seminar, you know we start out with you know 100% parent controlled when you have a baby, meaning that everything needs to be done for your child and um, you make every decision for your child. Yes, you do make decisions to feed them often and to rock them and, and to let them get their sleep and all that, but then it widens and, and then the child has 10% of decision making and you have 90% and then it keeps that, that ratio keeps changing until your child is 
you know, a high school and hopefully, you know, you're making 20% and he's making 80% and you're there overseeing those decisions and guiding the, the child every step of the way. But when your child uh, is 18, not because it's a magic number, but because he is, um, you've, you've done that gradual thing, you know, it should be such that when he is 18 and living at your home, that you're not hovering over him and making every decision for him and telling him everything he needs to do. That should have been not a benchmark because he is magically 18. You don't do anything because of a child's age. You don't magically put him in school when they're five. You don't magically give them the driver's license when they're 16. You don't magically let them rule their lives when they're 18. It's a gradual process. Um, So it's not a magic number as much as it is that the process has run its course and it's time to start letting him make his own decisions. And so with that, you have this 18-year-old college student. He lives at home and hopefully he works part-time and goes to college. Um, If if he hasn't been working during high school any, um, that'll be difficult. It'll be really difficult. Because uh, contrary to what people believe, unless you're getting a two-year nursing degree in which everything is just really crammed in all at one time, college students have a lot more time than you think. Now, our kids get outstanding grades and, you know, graduate um, with honors from college and or, and or test out of their whole degree. So they study a lot. They study a ton. But I can imagine if they were not working at the same time um, in various capacities, I can't really picture... Uh, you know, what their, what their lives would look like. In other words, we try to keep our kids busy. We try to keep our kids busy with a lot of meaningful, meaningful work and school activities. Um, not, not a lot of activities in the form of ripping and running and going to everything all the time, but in, in terms of you work a part-time job, you learn time management at the same time as you're in school and so forth. So this 18 year old hopefully is, you know, if he's living in your home, he is going to college locally and, and driving and so forth. So the first thing I'll tackle is the expenses uh, that that come with that. Um, as I mentioned earlier, um, you know, it's, it's really whatever you can afford to pay for for your child. Um, I, don't, I don't think it's a good idea to pay for everything for an 18-year-old. Um, at all. Uh, but do I wish that we could have paid for more? Yes, I do. I, I wish that our kids could, wouldn't have had to work so hard while they were in college. On the other hand, they are, they are amazing adults. And, um, that in part comes from that hard work during high school and college. So, um, you know, what you can afford to pay for is great. Um, but I will say that you have to remember that you're offering them room and board, and um, hopefully that's for free. Um, I really, really think it's a bad idea. Um, I've even heard of homeschoolers whose kids turned 18 and were in the middle of their senior year and their parents said they had to start paying room and board. I think that's a bad idea. I think it's a really bad idea. Uh, you're still raising children. You're still nurturing. You're still mentoring. You're still discipling. And so to, to do that where you're going to say you're 18, you're going to start paying, um, A, it's not very welcoming if you want your kids to stay at home to, to treat them in that way. And B, it's not even logical because, um, 
you're going to make them put too much emphasis on raising money, and then how could they uh, get a degree? So there's a balance with that in preparing our children for the future. But uh, I will say that whatever you are paying for, if you're paying for their tuition, if they don't have um, scholarships, uh, if you're paying for their tuition or their books or their car insurance um, or whatever that might be, um, I would definitely not pay for free time activities. I would definitely not pay for... um, you know, pay for everything and then give them spending money as well. Uh, so that's just something that I would, I wouldn't do even if I had enough money to pay for everything for my kids. I think it's a bad idea, even for students who are away at college, um, for them not to, not to at least work in the, in the cafeteria, uh, raising, uh, uh, you know, at the very least they're spending money. Um, I don't think that's a, that's a good way to start out an 18 year old's life. So, um, with that, though, um, above and beyond payment, you have this adult child living in your home all the time. And uh, one of the things outside of finances is to release your expectations of his family involvement. That was very difficult for us because we do everything together or, or we plan our week together as a family. We have calendar meetings with our teenagers and our tweens and we say this is what's going on and we go through the calendar for the week and we have always purposely said, okay, this evening we're going to be together as a family. This night we're going to do this. We're going to have somebody over or we're going to grandparents. Um, this evening we're going to uh, watch something together or go to the dollar theater. Uh, this evening, um, you know, everybody's saying that they have tests and papers due the next day. So everybody will probably be around, but we're going to each be doing our own thing. And we, we plan that together. So for us to say, okay, now an 18 year old is going to, um, be on his own. That was really difficult for us. And uh, so much so that I can actually remember crying when our 18 year olds were unable to be a part of, of, our lives on an ongoing basis like that and, you know, day in and day out and, and every evening planning together. Um, so the first thing to do is to let them make those choices. Um, my husband tells our adult kids every time, especially the married ones, every time that we ask them to come to something, that this is an invitation, not an obligation. And so, um, you know, we don't, they're not obligated to go to grandparents on the weekend with us. Um, but they are invited to. They're not obligated to come to family night dinner, but they are invited to. And we extend that same type of mentality to our college kids who are still living at home. That you're not, you're not, it's not mandatory. Um, this is what we're doing. You know, could you join us? this week on such and such or whatever. Um, but you really need to let your college kids make their own schedules. And we still have those calendar meetings and we still talk about them, but it's not, this is what our family is doing. Does this work for everybody? But it's rather, what do you have going on? It's how you approach it. It's how you speak to your college student that makes a difference in that. Next is, is how you treat them as far as, uh, discipline. Um, there should be, you know, no grounding. There should be no, um, you know, whatever for, for, uh, bad behaviors. You should talk through everything. Um, if you sense that there's going to be a problem or that there are going to be problems with your students as far as, um, getting them, uh, to, you know, follow through on the things that you, that you're expecting of them as far as like, um, cleaning their rooms or, or what are some chores that you might have them 
do around the house or whatever. If those are going to be problems, then you need to definitely, um, uh, do something right up front. And, uh, I know that you can look this up online. We haven't had to do this, but I would definitely recommend it if you sense that there's going to be any problem. And that is that you would have some kind of contract. You know, this is what, you know, we expect from you while you are living here and while you're going to college and have both of you sign it. It's much more adult like than saying, don't forget your chores on the chore chart and so forth. I would really recommend that if you have a rocky relationship with your young adult and you want that young adult to stay in the home uh, for a couple of years while he goes to college or while he saves for a house or whatever it might be, um, that you look into this approach. In this approach, you decide together with the young person what the parameters will be for his living there as an adult. And I know this doesn't sound very family-esque and... Um, I personally didn't do it, but I would do it if I needed to do it. I would do it if it were going to make the difference between our, my child having a more secure financial future, um, either because he was maybe saving to get married or saving to um, buy a home or, you know, saving to go to college or he was in college, uh, you know, because we do want to give our kids every opportunity that we can and opening our home to them during their uh, young adult years is one way that we can help them without being too much of a financial strain on us. It also is just amazing to me to watch them grow during this time. I just can't tell you the joy that it has been having our 17, 18, 19, and 20-year-olds going to college and living in our home. Once I was able to relax and let it be, let whatever it was going to be, be. I'll get to that in just a minute. But the joys that, um, that we've just had with this, as far as watching them go to college, it has been so fun for me. I mean, as a homeschooler, you know, I, I, you don't get that opportunity sometimes to see them, uh, how they respond to outside teachers. And, and even though our kids took classes and we have, you know, 240 kids who take classes from us each semester in our cottage class uh, service. But even in that regard, it's different when they're in college because the expectations are different and they're high oftentimes. And it's fun to watch them grow and develop. And sometimes they ask for help if they need help in um, their scheduling or in their uh, time management approach. Um, most of the time for our kids, we were able to do that while they were high schoolers and just really guide them along in their time management, which is so crucial. But they're right there and they're, you're able to, to give them help when they need it, but also to um, watch them as they learn what they love. Uh, the first year of college, not so much, but then with our nursing students, and I'm thinking specifically um, right now, our daughter-in-law is studying elementary education at Moody and when they're home at Moody Bible College in Chicago and when they're home in Indiana they will stay with us and um, they stayed with us during the summer while Jonathan had an internship um, for his undergraduate degree and then uh, he will be back in January doing an internship for his master's but they stayed with us and just the joy it was for me even as a mother-in-law to just uh, to just explore her school with her to 
discuss things. I was doing private tutoring and she was working on a summer school class. And so she would come home and she worked at a daycare during the day. So she would come home and we would commiserate, you know, on teaching methods and parenting methods and things like that. That was really fun with our son who just became a nurse this last spring. It has just been so exciting to watch him take his nursing classes, to watch him love nursing, to actually see him learning to do something that he absolutely adores. And that has been so fun. It's also fun uh, to just have them around. It's, it's like having a couple of friends there. And it's just, um, you know, if you can live with your best friend and hang out and have cool times together, you know, it's a lot of that. But let me go back to getting to that place because I said it was especially fun for me once I could relax. With my first couple of kids, um, you know, I was still, especially with our oldest, my poor oldest guinea pig, who is now my co-teacher and co-author, and uh, we spent all those years homeschooling together, and now we get to teach and work together and write together, and I'm just so blessed. But um, he's 32 now, and he was three and a half years older than the next child down that poor kid went through it. I mean, he was 18 and 19 and we were just still telling him every move to make, especially, especially I was. And I didn't know how to handle that. You know, we wanted him there, but I really, quite frankly, didn't know what to do with him. So, um, the contract really will solve a lot of that. If it meant the difference between, you know, being able to help our kids financially, being able to be involved more in their lives as their mentors, and disciplers, friends, um, or not, then I would do the contract. I would do it because I, I would know I would just have to swallow my pride and humble myself to say, you know what, what we are doing now isn't working, or what I think is going to happen here is not going to work, and so I want it to work, and so I'm willing to, to be humble and cause that to happen. So those contracts are available out there. Some of the things that I would watch for specifically um, We've always lived in very small houses for the last um, 15 years anyway. And um, so we now have 1,800 square feet, which seems huge for the four of us. Um, But prior to that, we had a 1,400 square foot house with seven kids, four boys in one bedroom, three girls in another. And it was very, very tight. And so we had a lot more rules about nighttime activities than what maybe you would have to have if you didn't have such a small home. And then we had younger children, you know, who still needed to get to bed at a certain time. We had, you know, people getting up to go to college, people getting up to work and all kinds of schedules. And so we had to have a little bit, you know, stricter schedules as far as just the the sheer noise and uh, interruption of people coming and going and so forth. Um, So definitely look at what you want you know, not that you should say you have to go to bed at 11 o'clock or whatever, but rather, you know what, we really can't have people in and out. You know, we can't have the living room blaring with the television or whatever. So, you know, during the week, we really need everything shut down at midnight. And it's not that you're telling him to go to bed at 12. It's not that you're telling him he has to go to bed with the little kids or anything like that. But rather, you are just saying, you know, in order for our whole family to work in this scenario, this is what needs to happen. And so looking at that type of thing, one thing that I had to get used to was the, the idea that they were going to set their uh, sleeping and rising times. Um, we weren't like, I guess we were pretty strict about that kind of thing as far as, you know, our kids didn't sleep in, they got up and did school and, um, even on weekends, we weren't ones to let the kids sleep past nine or nine thirty. I mean, they never slept 
generally speaking, they never slept until noon or even 11 o'clock. It just, I don't know. Uh, for one thing, I think it gets your, the, a teen especially, it gets their body rhythm so off that then getting back on Sunday night is, is not good. So we've just never allowed that. But in order to not micromanage, you know, I can't say, especially if he's in his own room, I can't say lights out at 12, asleep by 1 o'clock, all electronics off, and so on and so forth. I mean, I wouldn't because he's an adult, and I don't want somebody doing that to me. So a rule of thumb that, that we try to incorporate is how would we want somebody to treat us if we were living with them? Okay? So what kind of expectations does that involve? Well, it no matter even if I were, you know, an adult who maybe, you know, if I were renting somewhere or renting a room or, or living with an extended family relative or whatever, it would still not be unacceptable or uh, dramatic or, I mean, overly, um, in, uh, sorry, or overly, um, like, putting them out to say, you know what, our family just needs, we need sleep, we need lights out in the main rooms, we need all the lights out, the things turned off, we need everybody to kind of be out of the main rooms at midnight, that wouldn't be unreasonable. And so um, that would be something that I would do with my young adult. Sleeping in, you know, I, I, we had to, I had to get to the point where it could be whatever, whatever it needed to be. And none of our kids really took advantage of that terribly. Um, or anything until recently when our son started working 13 hour days and then on his day off he really wanted to sleep and I was like and I can remember him coming home and saying that a nurse said ask him because he was only 19 when he became a nurse a nurse asked him um I guess he just turned 20 he was he turned 20 during his last semester of nursing school and um so a nurse asked him you know do your parents tell you what time to get up and go to bed. I think that they, it was, it's unusual sometimes for outsiders to see how we, our family dynamics compared to maybe what is traditional. Um, and he said, no. And she said, they don't tell you what time to get up or go to bed or get mad at you. No. He said, my mom might knock on the door and say, it's nine. Do you want to sleep? Do you want to sleep late? Or, uh, did you want me to wake you up or something like that? And because of our relationship, I don't have to say, get up. It's nine. And he doesn't have to say, get out. I don't want you to bother me. It's such that he can just say, nope, I'm going to sleep for a couple more hours. And I can say, okay. Now, you know, 11 o'clock to me is very late to sleep. And I wouldn't be necessarily in favor of that. I might say something to him at that point, like, will that interfere in you trying to go to sleep by 10 tonight? Because I know that that's his own personal schedule is to go to bed at nine, read until 10. I just know what he likes to do um, in order to be able to sleep. And so I might say something like that just to, as a reminder, but I don't tell him what to do. And um, so in the regards to their own personal bedtime and rising time, uh, you know, that that needed to become theirs. Now, again, not only with the turning off of everything, but also just with the getting home. Um, you know, my husband has made it a habit from uh, the time our kids were driving on, or even before that, if they went somewhere with an older sibling or they went somewhere with a friend, um, they would say, what time do I have to be home? And my husband would always say, what time do you think? And um, he did this for a couple of reasons, and the kids are used to it now, but he wanted them to evaluate, you know, tomorrow morning I've got this, I know I need this much sleep, you know, so on and so forth, and to talk through that with him. And so they would say, well, 
you know, uh, it doesn't start until eight. So if I come home at 10, I'm barely going to be there. And he would just talk through that. And then he would usually let them decide as long as it was reasonable. And, um, so there are times that our kids might be out later for some reason. If something started later, was after a game or after an evening activity, and then it went on until 12 or 1. But generally speaking, we talk it through and let them decide. And so uh, that wouldn't really change. with That hasn't really changed with our young adults. Um, but... Uh, if they were doing something that we disapproved of, like if they were uh, involved in alcohol or anything like that, then that would have we would have to come down on that because that is a is a household rule that you don't drink you don't drink in general, but but you especially don't you never drink and then drive, um, you know you you know tobacco or um, just any kind of thing that that could be harmful or that. Uh, we would consider not that drinking and smoking are sins, but other things that might be sins that we, um, that we would not allow. Um, but those are not issues. So hopefully they're not issues for you either. But if they are, those would have to be addressed that, you know, in this house, we just really do not drink and drive, you know, or in this house, we don't drink whatever, you know, whatever your, your policy might be. And, you know, again, that wouldn't be unreasonable if you had a house guest. So this, these are the things that you think of. You think of how would I want to be treated if I were a house guest someplace? And you try to apply that knowing that he's not a house guest. He is your son and he has been a part of your family all of these years. Um, another thing that we really try to do is to, um, and get, be sure that they are enjoying the perks of family living. One of the reasons that we want them there is so that they can enjoy, you know, going out with the family. You know, we even schedule that around them. You know, we were thinking about going out to eat this weekend and, and, um, you know, really, we really were hoping that you could come. We'd want to, we just want to spend some time with you. Does that work? And so, you know, then they're getting the benefits of the family life too, or, or, you know, it just feels like it's been forever since we've all been at home. Can we look at the calendar this week and see if we can work something like that out? But again, we're asking, we're not demanding, we're not telling, uh, the invitation, but not the obligation. So aside from the contract and just talking through a lot of these things and making house rules that you would, that would be appropriate for a house guest, then you have the whole concept of what is, ha- what happens when something is broken, a rule is broken or a foundation or, or a benchmark that you set. I hesitate to call them rules because again, I don't want them to be treated like little kids. Um, before I talk about that, I do want to talk about chores and things because our adult children live with us for free. They have to contribute to the household. And this was not really that difficult to segue to because um, we handled it pretty much the same all the way through once Joshua was 14 and started working outside the home one day a week. And so uh, what we have done personally is that our elementary and junior high kids do the daily work. They're there every day. They do the daily jobs. Um, you can look on Carrie Drink blog or Raising Kids with character, homeschooling with character, look on one of our blogs and you can see how the dailies are divided up, that type of thing, dishes, laundry, trash, three times, uh, twice a day, just like you brush your teeth, those kind of concepts. And so our elementary and junior high kids did the daily jobs. And so then when a child got into high school, because he might be taking classes outside the home, he might be working part-time, he might be going to college part-time, and so forth, we automatically just funneled them into weekly jobs. 
And so the same thing was true of college kids. And so it wasn't really hard for us to make that transition. If you have your high schooler doing a lot of daily jobs, then it might be more difficult to transition into that. If you have your high schooler not doing very many jobs, then it'll be very hard to transition into that. But so for example, our, um, our, uh, College kids, normally, generally speaking, they did something like one hour of cleaning a week, and it could be done any time by Saturday at bedtime or whatever. It was just, it was a standard list, this was your list, and then they did um, 30 minutes of a family cleaning blitz. And so that was their 90 minutes of work each week. It's not a lot to ask at all when you consider that they're living in your home free of charge, and... Um, you know, it's such that they decide when to do it. And, um, you know, if that's part of your contract, that's easy, you know, to decide. If you have qualifications or repercussions in the contract, you know, it can be something like if the one hour of cleaning and the half an hour of cleaning blitz are not attended to for two weeks in a row, um, you know, he will have to pay somebody $15 an hour. I have to pay mom $15 an hour so that she can get somebody else to do it for those two weeks. So, which is, which is another, I mean, some kids might say, forget it. I'll pay the 15 bucks an hour. You know, I 22 50, here you go. Um, some people might not say that. I don't recommend that because I don't think that's realistic, you know, because it's realistic that when you're an adult, you always have things to do all the time. You have laundry, you have dishes, you have grocery shopping, you have, um, you know, car appointments, hair appointments, you know, you have, um, washing your own car. You, if you have a home, you have maintenance and so on and so forth. So it's better, I think, for them to work, but, um, definitely take them out of the chore rotation. They're not little kids anymore. And making them do the same things as the little kids is very demeaning. Um, and so you, you want to look at them, treat them, act like they are adults because they are adults while still trying to guide them and direct them. And while still being very involved in their lives. Um, another thing just along that same involvement thing is that if there's only going to be one of the college boys at home, it's not uncommon at all for us to say, you know, Hey, you know, Jacob's going to be gone tonight. Why don't the three of us, uh, go down to Moe's and get some tacos. And, um, that's just another opportunity for us to invest in them and spend time with them. Um, I know I talk a lot about food, but I have three college boys, <laughs> 17, 20 and 22. And, um, college boys eat a lot. And one way that you can make college boys very happy is to feed them. So, uh, along that same line, I like to do little things like have, a package of gum on their nightstand when they get home or uh, I don't buy pop tarts and nutty bars and things like that so occasionally I'll just get a package of nutty bars and put it on Jacob's dresser I know that he loves those and um, he knows he's not supposed to put them out where anybody where dad and I could be tempted by him so just doing little special things like that. Sometimes my husband will just, um, when the, when one of our college kids, well, Jonathan and Maylin, when they're heading back to Chicago, he'll say, Hey, meet me over at the gas station. I want to fill up your tank and send you home with some water bottles and snacks, you know, and just ways to reach out to them, to help them financially and to let them know that, uh, we want to invest in them and that we want to be there for them. So then when these things don't happen, when the room doesn't get clean, the cleaning's pretty easy because you can just have a, a, a financial charge with that. And that's not very difficult at all to enforce. Um, but when you have other issues, if you have, um, 
you know, if it's obviously a horrible, terrible issue, like, uh, you know, somebody involved in sin, somebody who is drinking while they're driving or something like that, uh, you know, you may have to give them two chances, whatever you determine, determine it together as husband and wife and determine it ahead of time and then let them know, you know, if this happens, you know, this is your, this is the first time this has happened. We can't have this. You know, and then these are, this is what's going to happen. You know, the next time, uh, we will stop paying for something, whatever it might be. And the third time you'll, the second time or third time or whatever, uh, you will have to find someplace else to live. Um, I, I pray that nothing in your family gets to that situation because I think that such a great opportunity and I would hate for you to miss this opportunity. Um, if it is something, you know, lesser, like being up to all hours of the night, TV on, you know, refrigerator, you know, getting cooking and stuff at, at 12 or one and everybody's trying to sleep. Um, you know, you can pull out the contract, remind them, uh, you know, and if, if things still continue, then my husband usually talks to them, you know, we've already talked about this and this is not going to work this way. We want you to stay here. We want to keep the relationship that we have going the way we have it, but this is what needs to change with a, uh, you know, and usually he asks them, what do you think needs to change? My husband is such a good parent. I just, especially of teens and young adults, he just knows how to ask those good questions. He knows how to get in their hearts. He knows how to not make them feel immature or babyish or making them feel like we're treating them like little kids. And so, uh, just use his rule of thumb. Always ask, ask questions, ask questions. You know, you know, you might start it with the, with a statement, you know, last for the last week, you know, you have been getting home at one during the week. And we said the house rules were that unless we made special arrangements ahead of time, everybody was in the house and in their rooms by midnight during the weeknights because of work and everything. So what can you do to change this? What do you think needs to happen? And then put it back on them, put the question back on them. So, um, I'm going to end this now because I could really talk about young adults and college kids forever. Uh, I have five of them, like I mentioned a little bit ago, five in college in various stages right now. Um, and, uh, four of our seven are married and one of them has a baby and it's just such an amazing time of life right now. And I look back and I, I were, I look back and I think about how hard we worked. Oh, wow. I mean, even parent, even our peers would say, you know, you don't need to work so hard. That's crazy. You know, why, why are you working so hard and, and lighten up a little bit? And, you know, all that isn't, you know, necessary and, and take a break and all this, you know, cause we were accused of overparenting or I guess maybe just overworking in, in the parenting department. And, um, I, I just want to say that if you feel that way and you have younger children, that's a good thing. It is a good feeling to feel like, it's a good thing to feel like you are just working so hard at parenting because quite honestly, parenting is hard, hard work. And I don't regret a day of that. I don't regret a moment of that. I, I look back now and I think, oh, Lord, you taught us so much and you gave us so many tools and you equipped us in so many ways. And I'm so grateful for that. And now I don't regret a moment of it. And so it is hard work, but I just look at this time now with our young adults and our college kids, and I just think, you know, in a half an hour, our house will be full of 11 
young adults, uh, planning a vacation all together. Every five years, we're trying to do a vacation all together for a week. And we are going to be there laughing and having a good time and spending time together because we have learned all of those hard things throughout our life, to, our lives together living. We learn conflict resolution and we learn deference and we learn all those things that make it so hard to have relationships close with each other. And we learned those while the kids were at home and now we're reaping the benefits of those. And it's not perfect. I don't want to end this with you thinking, wow, they have such a perfect family. It's easy for them to say, we have things we have to work through all the time. At last night, less than 24 hours ago, I told my husband, you know, this is an issue with so-and-so, and I really feel like it needs to come from you. Could you please set up a time to sit down and talk with that child? Grown adult. And it's not that there are never issues. It's just that the issues don't get swept under the rug. We try our very best to take care of them. So I pray and hope that this has been a blessing to you, that you'll pass it along to some of your friends who have uh, teenagers and young adults to get ready for those years, to get ready to change from that parenting role uh, into that mentoring and into that discipling role and into that friend role because it's just a great role to be in. This has been Donna Reesh with Character Inc., Raising Kids with Character, and Homeschooling with Character. Thank you for joining me.